Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. President Biden arrives in Los Angeles today, the day after he called for the resignation of three L.A. City Council members who were recorded making racist comments and disparaging colleagues, including Councilmember Michael Bonin and his black son. My son? Man, that makes my soul bleed, and it makes my temper burn, and I know I'm not alone because Los Angeles has spoken and it feels the same way. Outrage and pain spilled from the crowd at a city council meeting yesterday. The impact of the leaked recording in multiracial Los Angeles and what happens now, Forum is next. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. At an L.A. City Council meeting yesterday, protesters demanded the resignations of Nuri Martinez, Kevin De Leon, and Gil Cedillo, three council members who've been caught on tape making racist, derogatory comments about black people, Oaxacans, Jews, Armenians, and others, including the young black son of council member Michael Bonin, whom Martinez had called a monkey and said needed to be punished. Councilmember Bonin joined protesters' calls yesterday for the three members to step down. There, there are a lot of people who are now asking for forgiveness. And... and Asking for forgiveness is a good first step, but, well, it's a second step, because first, first, you must resign and then ask for forgiveness. We look this hour at the racial and political fault lines this scandal is exposing and how Los Angeles heals. We're joined by Saul Gonzalez, co-host of the California Report for KQED. Hi, Saul. Hi, Mia. Also with us is Erica D. Smith, a columnist for the Los Angeles Times. Erica, really glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Gustavo Arellano is also with us, a columnist also for the Los Angeles Times. Gustavo, thanks for being on too. Gracias for having me. Well, let me start, Saul, with you. From protesters that we heard to the President of the United States, Saul, they're calling for these council members, Nuri Martinez, Kevin De Leon, and Gil Cedillo, to resign from office. Not just their positions on the council, but from office. So where does that stand? 
Well, Nuri Martinez has resigned her presidency of the L.A. City Council, but she has not resigned from her seat. She has, though, taken a leave of absence, she says, to reflect on herself and her future and the community she represents. Uh, Gil Cedillo, uh, that councilman, is leaving office anyway. He lost an election and uh, is termed out uh, at the end of this year, so he won't be holding that seat after after the end of this year. And then there's Kevin DeLeon, uh, and Gil Cedillo has not resigned, and Kevin DeLeon also has not resigned, and he uh, does not face re-election this, uh, this particular cycle. Hmm. That conversation from a year ago, there was also a fourth person in that, right? The L.A. County Labor President, Federation of Labor President? Ron Herrera, yes, a very powerful figure in local union politics and organized labor. He has resigned. So so talk about what they were talking about in that conversation from a year ago. It was a conversation about the redistricting of, of councilmanic lines here in Los Angeles. It's been an issue like in so many cities. It is the mother's milk of politics, how lines are drawn and which communities are represented by whom. And uh, they were talking about the nitty gr- gritty details of that and real political horse trading. I think uh, beyond the racist comments, things we we know politicians talk about and probably using salty coarse language like they did, uh, but this was really a fly in the wall opportunity to listen about how what these conversations sometimes sound like. And there were really strong conversations about actually trying to maintain districts, maintain Latino political power and and sort of dilute black political power, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was about how do we keep what we have? How do we strengthen what we have essentially vis-a-vis other populations and other ethnic groups here in Los Angeles? And again, this is a an ongoing conversation here in the city of Los Angeles about how lines are drawn and where do you put Koreatown and where do you put this particular community or Little Armenia? Um, and uh, it's been particularly a note because you you know the census numbers came came out a couple of years back and the lines were were redrawn to reflect that by this independent commission and the members of the of the council these three members and this uh, county labor leader were talking about that Saul do we have any idea why this tape is coming out now it was posted on reddit by an unknown person yeah. I guess who had it for a year Listen, I don't pretend to be an expert on the origins of this, uh, but uh, apparently, yes, it was posted on Reddit. I guess it was floating around there in the internet ether. Uh, The LA Times found it and got it and posted it. And it has been, it's quickly become the sun that uh, the planets of LA politics orbit around in the three days or four days since that happened. Erica, the comments were were egregious on their own, then there's the redistricting piece of this. Can you talk about why why this conversation and what was heard in that tape really has caused such a reaction and an explosion in Los Angeles? What fears and tensions did this land on? I mean, sure. I mean, first of all, there's, of course, the, the coarse language. I mean, there's the blatant racist statements calling, you know, the black son of a city councilman a, a monkey, um, other very racist tropes. But I think, you know, at its core, there's been this fear in Los Angeles among black Angelinos that as as the population shrinks, as people are forced out of the city, mostly for affordability reasons, that the Latino political 
power structure would basically take over the city council and deprioritize uh, Black Angelinos. And I think that this tape hit on all of those fears. Um, this idea that not only are because of population declines, Black people losing political power, but that the people who are coming into power instead don't value Black people or our needs in the city. And I think that the racism was just kind of that extra little, you know, elbow to make it uh, seem that way. And I, cause in reality, you know, it was very much a conversation about redistricting, which we all know um, it can be very ugly no matter if we're talking local state or, or, you know, national politics. But I think that this idea of how it's done and the strategy session of what it was to really, really kind of come up with a plan to basically dilute black political power, which is what really, I think, set a lot of people off and really hurt a lot of people here. Hmm. Gustavo, how about for you? What what did this incident reveal to you and, and what did it tap into? Well, it, it was vile. It's disgusting. All of uh, Southern California is collectively up, up chucking at just the vileness. I mean, you want to talk about insulting people. Yes, the black community, a black child uh, suggesting corporal punishment, a beatdown to quote Nuri Martinez is the best way to discipline a child against Armenians, against Oaxacans, uh, Latinos. And these are people who are some of the most powerful politicians in Southern California, some of the most powerful Latino politicians in the state ridiculing Oaxacans from Mexico as short and dark. And then and Nuri Martinez in Spanish, they say, no tan fails. Notan fails, emphasizing the term fail, ugly, which in Mexican Spanish is even more uh, biting than in English. It was just so just horrific, just absolutely hard, horrible. Like, literally, that's all I could say. It's just horrible words. But then to the political aspects, yes, all the things that people have been saying about Latinos becoming the majority in California and, you know, the largest ethnic group in the United States. Oh, you know, they only care about themselves. They're going to start putting down other people. They're going to try to take away political power. It's here on the tape on our supposed best and brightest. And yeah, now people are supposed to trust us Latinos when we run for office and say we're for everyone. No, no, I do not blame anyone who's not going to. Well, Nuri Martinez, the way that she explained herself was she said that she was caught up in a moment of intense frustration oh, and anger. How's that sitting with you, Gustavo? It, it, uh, come on, Nuri, not the agas. Like, don't try to make yourself out into something. We all get intensely frustrated. And I get it, by the way. I get the frustration uh, when Latinos make up half of the city of Los Angeles, but barely a third of the council seats in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's issues to be had when you have redistricting and they think that other folks are trying to take away Latino political power. That's a perfectly legitimate frustration to have. That's ethnic politics. What's not perfectly uh, legitimate is to take that frustration and use the vile terms, trashing a young child, a black child, ridiculing your council member, uh, your, your fellow colleagues with terms that I can't say on the radio here, but are basically misogynistic and homophobic. Like mm. that was the most weak salsa excuse I've heard in a while. You know, Erica, I'm struck by Gustavo talking about his concern that it will basically just cast this shadow of skepticism over Latino political power or politicians from years to come. Do you think four years to come, do you think that it will have that effect? I mean, I think it's definitely going to have that effect to an extent. I think really what's going to determine what happens is how much the broader community pushes back. I mean, at the council meeting yesterday, I mean, 
the people who were speaking out and demanding the resignations of Kevin DeLeon, Nuri Martinez, and, and Gil Cedillo, you know, it was a multiracial, multi-ethnic coalition yes. of people. Everybody was upset. Everybody was disgusted. And so I do think the fact that there are so many people of all races and ethnicities, and including a huge chunk of Latinos who are calling out this behavior will go a long way towards you know, building trust or rebuilding trust with the Black community. But I do think there is some damage that's definitely been done um, because it has confirmed a lot of people's suspicions and a lot of people's fears about what's actually happening behind the scenes. You know, Saul, Kevin DeLeon, I think, attended that meeting for a period of time and you could hear people really upset at his presence. Can you talk a little bit about De Leon, who basically gave an explanation of this not being the standard of leadership, that he had fallen short of the expectations that are set for them. I mean, that didn't seem to go very far. Yeah, I mean, he's had a really interesting history. He's probably the person best known to a statewide or national audience. Uh, he was uh, president of the state senate in Sacramento. He's really well known for his work on climate change and authoring legislation to wean California off of fossil fuels. In 2018, he took on Diane, Diane Feinstein for her U.S. Senate seat, lost was wondering what to do, ran for city council here in Los Angeles, uh, actually represents the area of LA where I live. Uh, he then ran for, for mayor of LA and did not do very well at all. I mean, he came in, I think, believe fourth in the primary. Uh, locally, uh, in recent months, he's been really involved with homelessness issues and, and creating these little tiny home villages that you see. Uh, two very large ones are in his councilmanic area. Yeah, so had been quite respected. Um, I want to invite listeners to tell us what are your questions about or reactions to what has happened, and what are your thoughts on how LA heals and move for- moves forward. You can call us at eight six six seven three three six seven eight six. Post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or email your questions and comments to forum at kqed.org. We'll have more after the break. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the crisis at the L.A. City Council after a tape surfaced of three council members making racist and derogatory remarks. We're looking at its impact. We're looking at the kinds of fault lines the scandal 
exposes with Gustavo Arellano, a columnist for the Los Angeles Times, Erica D. Smith, also a columnist for the Los Angeles Times, and Saul Gonzalez, co-host of the California Report. You can join the conversation by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, and you can always call us. 866-733-6786 is the number. 866-733-6786. What are your thoughts or reactions to what has happened at the LA City Council about about forging multiracial and multiethnic coalitions? And what needs to be done to help L.A. move forward and ask broader questions about these things and how they happen. One of the things, Erica, that I was really struck by was hearing the part where they were talking about what to do with um, Ridley Thomas's district. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your reaction to that part of the conversation over Councilman Mark Ridley Thomas, uh, who had been suspended. Yeah. So, yeah, Mark Ridley Thomas has, as you said, been suspended. He's facing federal uh, bribery charges. Um, there's been a dispute over his seat, you know, for for several months now. I mean, this this suspension happened last year. Since then, there being, uh, you know, a couple of non-voting caretakers. Um, at the time that this conversation was recorded, uh, he had just been suspended. They were trying to figure out what to do with his seat. And, and some of the comments were more like, how can we get somebody in this seat who's going to vote uh, for Latino interests, and, and in theory, I guess in the zero sum game that seems to be evident on that on that recording, more against Black interests for Latino interests. And so, um, a name uh, came up, Heather Hutt, who uh, very recently was nominated by uh, Nuri Martinez, and actually uh, now occupies that seat. And so, you know, for Heather Hutt. She suddenly she's been cast as kind of this pawn of a broader effort to uh, retain and, and consolidate Latino political power, which I imagine is not going to do wonders for her legitimacy in that seat uh, that she now occupies uh, on an interim basis. But that rumor about her kind of being this pawn is something that had been going around the community for months. Um, and I think it was kind of always the backdrop to the broader conversation about what to do with this council seat. Um, and so I think, he, you know, the fact that it was a rumor for so long and the fact that now there's proof in the form of audio um, does not, you know, help relations between Black and Latino Angelinos whatsoever. Right, right. Uh, what has Heather Hutt said? She has said, you know, she had a press conference, I think it was Monday or Monday night, and basically said that, you know, she's called for all three council members to resign. She said that she is not a pawn and she had no idea of the conversation that was going on. So, I mean, who voters will believe, you know, I guess that remains to be seen. But at the very least, it it does, you know, for a group of voters who have been constantly disenfranchised for one reason or another for the last year over that council seat, this is just one more blow um, to them about having, you know, representation on the council they can trust. Well, listener Roger asks, was it just Nuri making racist comments or all of them? Saul? Well, she made, she made the most by far, and she talked the most in, in, in the section of, of that tape that's become so controversial and is controversial. Uh, she said the, the vilest things. Uh, but the other ones didn't challenge her. 
they didn't say, hey, Nori, what are you, what are you talking about? Stop it. Uh, Kevin DeLeon made his own comments about uh, the one councilman's African-American child uh, you know, that he was being used as, as an accessory, uh, yes, like one of Martinez's purse. purses. Yep. So uh, I think people are, are particularly concerned like, hey, you could have this kind of conversation, right, about raw horse trading, perhaps, but you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to say that. Why did you inject that 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 foul that foulness? Why did you pollute this this conversation with that kind of language? And and they're outraged about that. I should say that they've all apologized, but those po- apologies have had a, landed with a very loud thud. Let me go to caller Debbie in Concord. Hi, Debbie. Oh, hi. Let me. Um, I get it. Just I'm in my car, so I have to change my speaker here. Okay. I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're on. Okay, so I was just saying I, I was uh, very lucky. Um, I worked for a government institution, and we did um, awareness training. I can't remember the exactly what they called it, but it was it was so good. It wasn't just a you know diversity seminar. It was weeks and months of research being exposed to. Um, you know, people talking about systemic racism, um, microaggressions, all sort of things that as a white person, our entire country has been built around us and we're not aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think our entire country needs education starting as young children. We need to tell the real history of what's going on. And then when these kind of comments come out, they need to be, there needs to be zero tolerance for it. But it well, all Deb- starts with this complete well, Debbie, thanks for sharing your thoughts on this. Erica, I think it was you in, in one of your pieces where you said that the next mayor of Los Angeles will, will need to be almost a DEI specialist. But but what do you think about in terms of how this is shaping the mayor's race and what the next mayor will need to do? Yeah, I mean, I think the next mayor, who's going to be either Rick Caruso or Congresswoman Karen Bass, um, they're going to have big challenges. I mean, they would have had big challenges even without this, um, dealing with many of the problems in LA, uh, homelessness being chief among them. But now they're also going to have to deal with um, racial tensions and kind of rebuilding trust in city government um, from among the public and getting people to believe that those members of the city council, um, others in the bureaucracy are not out for one ethnic group or racial group or another, and that what they're doing is actually at the benefit of all Angelinos. And so, you know, that does require to an extent, you know, conflict resolution skills, uh, you know, building bridges, building trust. Um, And I I think that that is going to factor into who um, people vote for. Um, Ballots are in landing and mailboxes uh, this week. Um, And so people can, vote anytime they like. And so it'll be interesting to see um, as this can story continues to, to play out um, what this looks like for who the, for what the next mayor is going to have to deal with. Well, Bass is definitely talking about her history of coalition building and, and from her nonprofit uh, community coalition to now. And what is Caruso saying? You know, there was a debate last night um, uh, between the two of them. And as you mentioned, you know, Karen Bass brought up community coalition Coco and her, 
her years of building alliances between Latino and Black uh, Angelinos. Uh, Caruso is, you know, he's basically double down or triple down, however you want to look at it, on um, this idea that he's an outsider and that um, Karen Bass is not the right person to kind of build coalitions because she's of the government, has been in elected office for years. Um, and he he sees himself as kind of this outsider who can come in, um, who doesn't have, you know, a proverbial dog in the race and can can bring people together. Um, you know, I think that there's some value in being an outsider, but I think that um, I'm not sure if people are going to necessarily buy that he is the person that's going to unify people. But, you know, we'll see. Let me go to caller Kenny in Las Gatas. Hi, Kenny. Hi. Um, I just wanted to help uh, your listeners understand that the term uh, chango, mono, mico, uh, whatever the term in uh, in Hispanic uh, in in Spanish you use to um, describe a monkey is commonly used. I, I call my kids, "Are you being a monkey all the time?" Whenever they are uh, jumping around or or just misbehaving. Um, so I don't necessarily think that was racially uh, uh, started. Um, that's a very common uh, use of the word in the Spanish language. So if you're not a native speaker, of course, it might sound racial to you. But if I were one of the, I, I personally wouldn't use it in, 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 in this context. But if I were one of the people in the room that was with this council woman when she used this term, I personally would have thought nothing of it. So, well, you know, uh, that's, that's basically... Uh, my, uh, my, you know, my, uh, my comment. It's yeah, thank, not thanks for the, thanks for the comment. Can you let me, let me see what Gustavo thinks. Yeah, that's Gustavo. preposterous. That's absolutely preposterous. Come on. You're talking about a black boy right after she said, you know, in the context of like making him out to be just like a terror on a float, advocating that if it were up to her, she'd take him around the corner. Also, after she called him a negrito, which trans it's a Mexican-Spanish term, it translates as a darkie. And you do not say that word anymore. So, But yes, it's true. Monkeying around, it, you know, in Spanish, you say that as well. You also call him chivitos, you know, acting like a little goat. But you're hearing this. And I really think this gets to the point of the problem that too many Latinos do not want to face, that there is anti-Blackness in the Latino community. It is part of who we are. Because, you know, on Twitter, I put out that, like, you know, people are saying, oh, Nuri Martinez doesn't reflect us. I'm like, no, no, she absolutely is part of us. Are we all racist? No. But if we do not take her as one of our own and those problems, then we're not get, we're going to get to this place again and again. And, yeah, come on, uh, you know, the gentlemen, no te hagas, no te hagas. Well, this listener tweet, sadly, the things said are thought and said by Mexicans, even in my family. It saddens me that so many in my culture are so racist, even though they know how it feels to be discriminated against. Let me go to Janet in Campbell. Hi, Janet. Hi. Yeah, I just want to say that um, the actions of the three council members do not reflect the, how we all as Latino or Hispanic we are. I think uh, being a leader doesn't mean uh, leave everybody behind. I think when you are a leader, you don't really see how everybody, um, or you don't see when a, a true leader doesn't see the skin of color or the ethnic background of people. We work together to get everybody together because we, as uh, members of a community suffer, everybody suffer. And I think the excuse of, oh, I, I, I need to reflect on this, that's a poor excuse. You do not treat your people the way you did. 
I have known a lot. I know a lot of people that I work from Oaxaca, and they will never, ever, ever express the way this council member did. Mm. I think it's, she was talking about or her actions reflect or will is delivering the grown message and how we Latino are because we are not like that. I have worked with a lot of members of the community, and I do never, ever, ever treat others the way I don't want to be treated. Well, Jen. We, our community, we have to work together for our communities regardless. Well, Janet, uh, thank you also for weighing in with your response to this. Tony writes, not only a setback for race relations, but for progressive politics generally. De Leon ran as more progressive than Feinstein. Another round of ammo for the right. Uh, Saul, what's the, what's the mood like in Los Angeles? Well, it's squarely focused on this issue, number one. It's uh, the, the centerpiece of the city's conversation right now, and I don't think that's going to, and it's going to spill over into the mayoral race that we're having, and it's going to be, have a big role in that, as was what was said a few minutes ago. Um, and, and I think it, it will just continue that way, and you have, I think you have an African-American pop, uh, population, and I was down in, uh, in in South Los Angeles the other day talking to a gathering of, of African-American pastors, and basically it was, yes, it was anger, but it was also would just like oh man we can't believe this really i mean and 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 a concern that what is said in public by latino population uh, politicians isn't necessarily what's said in private mm-hmm. and just going back to the issue of language i gotta say with with these council members and this union leader they are all experts in using the right language of coalition building and black brown alliances and you know they get a plus a plus a plus for that for what they say in public but obviously, this is not how they, they talk in private. And I'm sure this is this conversation is emblematic of, of many similar conversations like that. And I think, you know, as the face of authority in California becomes increasingly a Latino face in many ways, right? I mean, look at the Sheriff's Department here in Los Angeles, which is kind of in its leadership, a Latino organization right now. I think that this is something that Latino leaders have to come to grips with that they have wider responsibilities and represent more people than they thought. We're talking with Saul Gonzalez, co-host of KQED's The California Report, Gustavo Arellano, a columnist for the LA Times, and Erica Smith, Erica D. Smith, columnist for the Los Angeles Times as well. And I guess, so how do we move forward? Gustavo, resignations are being called for, resignations from office, Will that be enough, do you think, if they actually did it? Yeah. This is not 1992 Los Angeles. I do think that the national media... Rightfully, they should be paying attention to this, but it's not 92 LA. In fact, groups like Karen Bass's Community Coalition, specifically from that day forward, literally trained a generation of Black and Latino youth to get over, at least get over as much as possible their uh, the the biases that they might have had in the past. To the point where you do have a generation of younger Latinos, especially because Latinos are the majority of the city, calling themselves Latinx and saying we got to stand in solidarity. Black Lives Matter. We got to call out the anti blackness in our latino community we need to do that there's been all these groups there's a lot of angry people right now and they should be everyone's angry everyone's disgusted but we're at a far better point than this was in 92 i i you have to have hope also and you know i and i do think you know going back to the previous caller again 
I think it starts with Latinos taking responsibility for they, they are they do represent part of us. I'm not saying all of us are, of course not, but they are cousins, they are tias, they are our parents, they are our own siblings. And as Latinos being now the majority in the city of Los Angeles, in Los Angeles County, a plurality in California, we do have to be better than the oppressors. We cannot of the the people who oppressed us. If we continue to do that same crap, then we're no better than them. Then what happened to the generations of Latinos who advocated to and and by the way built cross racial solidarity with other groups who have it that's all thrown away to this I still remain an optimist though hmm. well when we think about cross racial solidarity anti blackness and so on it is of course part of many communities not just the Latino community too but Mario writes for example can you talk about the big elephant in the room what is the ethnicity and background of the people involved in the conversation please don't equate all these individuals with Latinos I'm a Latino of Central American descent living in San Francisco that has felt discriminated against and seen as less by these people too Guillermo writes, these people need to resign, not just take a leave of absence. They have caused great damage to the interests of Latinos. As a Latino, I am appalled by what they said. I do not need these people to represent me. Alan writes, why was organized labor participating in the conversation? Erica, you want to talk a little bit about the implications of that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of implications for that. I mean, we're at a moment right now where organized labor is, you know, seeing its, you know, second, third, whatever wind in the country. Uh, you know, the California Labor Fed is led by, you know, Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher, used to be in the legislature, you know, is building this kind of cross racial coalition. But, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm not entirely surprised that Ron Herrera, who was also involved in this conversation, was one of the first to be forced out because. Um, the labor movement really does depend on, you know, solidarity among across racial and ethnic, ethnic lines. And this deals a blow to that. But I think that, um, you know, I think it adds at the, at the base, most basic level, I think it adds to that level of betrayal, I think, that a number of people in Los Angeles feel. But also, um, to Gustavo's point, it, it adds to the motivation to try to mend fences and to kind of... Um, fix what's wrong because there's, you know, with the labor movement, there is, you can see what you gain by having these kinds of alliances. And I think that, um, you know, it's shocking, but I think it adds motivation to, to, to make things better. We're talking with Erica Smith and Gustavo Arellano, both columnists for the Los Angeles Times and Saul Gonzalez of the California Report and you, our listeners. How should Los Angeles move forward. What will it take to heal in your view? You can email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or call us 866-733-6786. We're talking about the crisis at the LA City Council, the broader issues that it exposes after a tape surfaced of three council members making racist and derogatory comments. We'll have more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the impact of the leaked recordings of racist and derogatory comments by three Latino council members in multiracial Los Angeles and about what happens now. You, our listeners, are joining the conversation. Carmen tweets, I hope L.A. begins to heal by adopting redistricting by Citizen Commission, where the ultimate lines are drawn by lay people, not self-interested politicians. I also hope the council expands its seats so we get rid of the cabal-like power mm. structure. Saul, what are the conversations? There definitely have been some about yeah, redistricting it, and how it's done. It is interesting to hear that because being out and about the last couple of days, I've heard from a surprisingly num- large number of people about just those issues. People talking about, okay, now what do we do in terms of brass tacks, the, the raw mechanics of how LA works? And people have brought up, let's let's revisit those those lines that we drew. Let's talk about changing how we draw lines in the future and who's involved in that and who's not. So I've heard a lot of that. Now, when it comes to the size of the LA City Council, that to me personally is really fascinating because we we're a city of what four million people uh we have 15 members of the city council uh they each represent like about a quarter of a million people 260,000 people i believe i mean it, it it's it's a it's a huge mismatch between you know represent number of representatives and the number of people that they represent compared to a city like new york or chicago where i think they have like fit like a city councils of about 50 individuals so there's there's been talk, particularly among kind of uh, civic intellectuals, that um, that 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 the city council has to be expanded uh, and, and expanded vastly to represent more people, and 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 also at the county level. I mean, the county level, we have this weird system here in California where you know most counties have five supervisors. No matter if you're Los Angeles with you know 12 million people, 13 million people, or you're a small rural northeastern rural county in 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 California, you have the same number of supervisors. That's a loony system to some people and they think that should be uh, changed and supervisorial seats should be expanded and something like a county president uh, elected who has like real authority uh, and isn't just first among equals. So again, a lot of conversation about changing how kind of LA works politically, I think you're going to hear a lot about in the coming months out of this. Yeah. And Erica Smith does feel like there is a lot of momentum around rethinking how redistricting is done. Is that, do you think, one of the substantive things that will come out of this policy-wise. Oh, yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot of look at, as Sal said, the nuts and bolts of this. Like, I I was constantly amazed that LA only has 15 city council people. I mean, my native Cleveland, Ohio has 17 members of the city council, and it's a city that's, like, shrieking and less than half a million people, I think, at this point. So we definitely, I think that's definitely something we're going to look at. But I think that redistricting is going to be a point of... um, 
definitely going to be examined. I think there's a push for that. But I also think that there's a, a push to reexamine the appointment process, for example. I mean, again, we talked about Heather Hutt and how she was appointed by other members of the city council, um, you know, assuming Kevin DeLeon or, you know, New York Martinez do step down. How do you replace them? I mean, is it going to be a special election? I can't see any kind of faith at this point in an appointment process. So I think there's a lot of different areas to look at. Um, that would give the public some, some more sense of trust in the way that the city is being run. Well, let me go to caller Marco in San Francisco. Hi, Marco. Hey, hello. Hey, you're on. Hey, I, 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 would, I wanted to call because some people might not be too familiar with uh, what uh, uh, I think Mario was talking about earlier uh, and the, the, the amount of racism that there is in casual Latino Spanish and the, the comments that I just dropped uh, left and right, and there is a huge disconnect between the, the newer generations of Latinos that are born in the U.S., uh, Chicanos that want to, to step away from that, and they believe that their family is not racist. But then at the same time, that's a family drops comments as, you know, Negrito or, or stuff like that, and they don't think that there is anything wrong. And it's, it's about every race, too. There's like Chinito. A little, it's, it doesn't sound like much, but when you when you add that suffix to the end, it it, it has a little derogatory t- uh, note to it. And I, I really agree with what he said earlier. There is no denying in the fact that most Latinos speak with uh, a lot of racism in their mouth without even knowing that they're doing it. Well, Marco, thanks for for sharing your reflection there. Let me go to Jay in Redwood City. Hi, Jay. Yeah, hi. Um, I just want to say I, I agree with Gustavo um, how we do have to own um, the fact that the, the you know people like that exist in our community. And uh, I just want to say you know I'm a first generation Mexican American, and I I anytime I hear anything like that from coming from my family, I always call them out on it. You know, friends, family. Uh, I, I believe if, if we don't step up and say something, uh, there's like the last caller says. Sometimes they don't even know they're doing. So when you call them out, you're educating them. And, and that's the only way we're going to eradicate this because, you know, it's, it's a really stupid thing to be judging people by the color of their skin. And I don't understand how it's still going on today. You know, it's just it's it's uh, mind blowing. And, and I really don't know what else to do but to try to change the world around you, I guess. And hopefully it spreads and one day it'll stop. You know, that's the only thing I could say. Jay, thanks for that as well. Gustavo, I, I, I'm really... I don't know, heartened and impressed by all of the comments um, and calls that that we have been receiving. And certainly you have have made the effort to try to help a community hold up a mirror to itself or communities to hold up mirrors to themselves to be able to see and address the issues that exist within them. I I guess I'm just curious about what you see as the greatest resistance a lot of times. Uh, Well, you know, you you heard some apologists here saying, oh, no, Changuito's not racist. Come on, give me a break. Um, No, what is going on here is, again, the younger generation is pushing back. Like, I'm part of the generation where you roll your eyes when you hear it. Maybe you don't say something because you don't want to start, you know, a scandal or a scandal. But the younger generations will be, no. And you have these difficult conversations with folks. And look, we cannot... This is something that I've always said, that 
Mexicans, and I'll talk specifically about Mexicans. There was a caller earlier who said, you know, said he's Central American. Kevin De Leon, by the way, Council Member Kevin De, De Leon is Guatemalteco. So we as Mexican Americans, we cannot cry racism against us. And we do suffer a lot of discrimination. Let, let's not get, you know, let's not pretend otherwise. But we can't on one hand cry racism and then on the other hand continue that racism. That makes us hypocrites. I and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not saying hypocrisy is part of the Latino condition. It absolutely is not, no more than any so group. But again, us as we have this extraordinary opportunity as Latinos become the majority in so many places to really, and this sounds cheesy, but really fully uh, fulfill American democracy. Let's do that. Let's become better. Let's become anti-racist. Let's not continue the white supremacy of the past by excusing away the bad people within us. We are exactly doing that. Let's not do that. Yeah, Nina, may I add to that? You go ahead, Saul. Yeah, so, you know, cards on the table here. I mean, I, I'm half German, half Mexican. Um, my dad's from Mexico, first generation. And I have heard language kind of like this, you know, particularly grown up. I mean, it was just part of some kinds of family conversations among uncles for some reason. <laughs> it's always that. Sure. It's always the, the Mexican uncles. And so, yes, agree. This is, this is far too common. I've also heard... Uh, people my age and younger, far younger, like challenging that. So things that would have been said maybe in 1975, 1985, casually without being challenged, um, are challenged more. And then yeah, really two, quickly. Oh, go, yeah, ahead, go uh, ahead. Go good. Uh, no, no. I just want to say that my mom, my beloved, dear, uh, late mom, used to call my my brother, who's darker skinned than me, mi prieto asabache, my wild animal, dark uh, skinned person, and. <laughs> I never really understood what it meant until one day I looked it up and I'm like, oh my God. And I went to my mom, my mom, ¿por qué le dice eso a Gabriel? And she's like, no, pues, pues, está prieto. I'm like, oh my God. But right. yes, we have those conversations. And add to that a kind of casual anti-Semitism from, from time to time, uh, a casual anti-gay anti sentiment from time to time. Again, but I think that if that certainly my own dad's language around the, the, the LGBT community has changed tremendously in the last 30 years. Also, just one thing I want to just to bring back to LA very quickly and that is you know a lot of angelinos woke up today they're going to work they're going to the park they're being with their families uh, black brown other colors i mean they're you know in the neighborhoods people just relate to each other right whether this happened or not people live together particularly the african-american and latino communities in, in neighborhoods across los angeles and on a day-to-day -day basis life is normal i mean there could be improvements i don't know if I don't know if each community knows about each other to the degree that they should, but that could be said about all people, right? So again, on day-to-day -day basis, Angelinos continue to go about and do their thing. It's not the most fancy way to say it, but there you go. Well, I, I really appreciate the honesty from both of you. Bob writes, I'm Chicano, and I can attest that racism runs deep in Mexican culture. I was born with darker skin than my late sister, and for years she nicknamed me the N-word for years until I told her that it was racist. If you watch dramas on Spanish language television, you'll only see light-skinned actors portraying wealthy urban Mexicans. Yeah. I'm so sick of it all. Let me go to caller Domingo in Torrance. Hi, Domingo. Oh, hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just have a, um, a comment. Uh, I think that you know this problem is, is a product of identity politics in our country. I also think that labels divide us instead of uniting us. I think black, uh, white, Hispanic, Angelinos, we all have basically the same concerns. We want good school for our kids, a better future for them, good jobs, and safe streets. Uh, streets. And those concerns, I think they're universal and they're not ethnic-based. So I think the problem is that uh, from now on, we should elect representatives 
based on their ideas and have their identity be only part of who they are, but mostly on, the, um, on, the, on their ideas and how their ideas can help all of us, not just Hispanics, not just blacks, and not just whites. And lastly, I want to say that um, these people should, um, should resign, they should quit, because um, races apparently come in all colors and sizes. That's all. Well, Domingo, thanks for sharing that. Marjorie writes, while Martinez's comments are truly abhorrent, I question whether all participants should be treated as having made them and have lots of questions about what actually happened, whether De Leon or Cedillo did ask Martinez to cut out the rhetoric, but didn't happen to be caught on the probably illegal recording. Will LA City Council allow for an ethics evaluation to fully air what happened and establish clear standards about when council members should resign? Isn't that a better way to promote healing? What do you think, Gustavo? Oh, come on. Well, look, uh, Cedillo has only a couple weeks left because the voters already deemed him unfit for office and he's being replaced by a progressive Latina, Unisa Hernandez, who has been calling out anti-blackness for a while. Um, this was an almost two hour long conversation, unedited. There's no pushback. There's giggles. Everyone's jumping in. I mean, for crying out loud, they, I believe, it was, I can't remember at this point the, the voices, but at one point there was a criticism of LA County District Attorney George Gascon, who was actually up in the barrier back in the day, who's yep. Cuban American. And they said, F that guy, he's with the blacks. No one is pushing back. I, you know, is this an ethical, like, is racism an ethical problem that should be censored? Not necessarily, but this is, this speaks to, Someone's frankly, someone's soul, someone what what these people think. That's why I think they're unfit for office. That's why all you see right now, the people who are calling for resignations It's not just the black community. It's not other people. The whole Latino political establishment, uh, U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, who was a mentor for Nori Martinez, uh, Joe Biden, Eric Garcetti. La yesterday, a list of prominent Latino intellectuals. We're talking about Fernando Guerra. We're talking about um, Angelica Salas from Churla, Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights of, of Los Angeles. Monica Lozano, I believe, whose family ran La Opinión, they called for their resignation. We all know, again, if these are these are some of the most Latino, powerful Latino politicians in the United States, they don't deserve that title anymore. Don't make excuses for them. We're talking with Gustavo Arellano, Sal Gonzalez, and Erica D. Smith. Gustavo and Erica are columnists for the Los Angeles Times. Saul is co-host of the California Report on KQED. And you are listening to Forum on KQED. I'm Mina Kim. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was reflecting on what has happened, even though, uh, Erica, we we are all linked by the similar structures of oppression, it is really hard to invest in a multi, in the idea uh, and commit to the idea of a multiracial democracy. It feels like it's it's both an imperative, especially if you're a person of color, but a leap of faith as well. Um, but I wonder if you feel like the cynicism of that possibility has made it even more more fragile recently, like the, the recent cynicism around that has made it more fragile. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of cynicism around the idea of multi-ethnic racial coalitions. And I think that, you know, in some ways coming out of the, the Trump years, I think there was more of a, a push for those types of alliances Again, if only because it was a clear, quote unquote, enemy or a clear, uh, you know, it was clear there was an us and a them, I guess. And the them was bigger. Um, but I think now, you know, I think that 
the, the, the need for that is still there. And I think that in a place like Los Angeles, it, it definitely is when you look at um, particularly Black and Latinos, you know, who oftentimes share a lot of the same, you know, needs like high rates of homelessness, um, usually on the, the wrong end of the affordability crisis, all of these other various different things, which speak to the need for uh, forming a broader coalition. But I think there's some skepticism, some cynicism, but I do think all of these pressing needs will force, if anything, a return to those types of alliances, because I think everybody at the end of the day knows that, you know, real public policy and public policies that affect the broadest amount of people will not be done without these types of alliances. And, I, and, and the, one of the previous callers mentioned the fact that we need people who, you know, not to pay attention to race or ethnicity. But I, I think that that's kind of not looking at the world the way it is. Um, we have a lot of systemic and structural problems that have led to the situations of where, why Los Angeles looks the way it does, where you have a Black community and a Latino community um, that have the kind of problems that they do. And we can't ignore those things when we talk about crafting public policy. So what we need mm. are elected officials who have their eyes open, who understand the history, understand how it affects the present, but are committed to enacting public policies that are fair um, and that can lift everybody up and have equity in mind. Let me go to Rogelio in Irvine. Hi, Rogelio. Uh, hi. Well, um, I'm just calling to add that uh, I'm not a Oaxacan person, people from that part of Mexico. Uh, my family is not from there, but I'm calling to defend them. <laughs> because uh, b besides uh, all the uh, racial uh, issues that happen, all the comments, one of the uh, leaders of the uh, this politician, uh, she seems to ignore, she, uh, she doesn't know and she ignores uh, what, where these people live and, and where are they from. And what uh, and and they she she kind of confuses them and I was expecting her besides that because being a political uh, a political leader to be better at least mm -hmm. to know their constituents and and also the Oaxacan people have done a tremendous uh, I admire them I mean I'm from Mexico but from one part of Mexico but I admire Oaxaca and they have made a, and I have seen them the impact they have made the food. The, the, the dreams, the, the culture that have brought to, 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 to California and, and that we enjoy, that we have, the, we, uh, happily, we, we, we can go to a place and enjoy the, the, the delicious food. I, I know <laughs> that. And that, somebody that doesn't know that, that doesn't know where they live or, or, or what, what is the name of the, or the country. And also, Mexico is a very diverse. Yes. I mean, uh, people in the south is it, different constitution. People in the north, actually, I'm from Jalisco, and usually we have more Spanish influence. Yeah, very, very diverse. South, you're you're absolutely different. you're absolutely right. Very diverse. And Michelle writes as a Latina and of Guatemalan descent. In my 39 years of life, I have seen more racism in the Latino community, and I felt more discrimination in my race group than from any other group. So before we judge other groups, we need to first judge ourselves within our family and our culture. Gustavo Ariana, really appreciate uh, how you brought this conversation to where you did. Thank you, and Erica Smith, thank you as well for your analysis insights. As always, Saul Gonzalez. So glad to have you on. And thank you, listeners. You have been listening to Forum with the help of production from Susie Britton and Grace Wan. I'm Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.